Hello, world, and welcome to the Philomese Nash Experience Podcast, an audio series of lighthearted and sometimes third-eye-opening conversations on entrepreneurship, leadership, and relationships from the African-American perspective. I am your host, Philonise Nash. Welcome. And my guest today is a nationally recognized strategic management consultant with over 20 years in the game of workforce economic development. And she has worked with some big name clients, Nissan North America, Bridgestone America, Amazon Distribution, just to name a few. She serves on numerous boards, including the National Organization for Workforce Diversity, Nashville Cable, and Habitat for Humanity. She is a sought-after thought leader, speaker, and trusted advisor to C-suite executives, elected officials, nonprofit, and academic leaders. She is highly recognized for her work, and some of her recent awards include, but are not limited to, 2020 Academy of a Women of Achievement, the year, the class year of 2020-2021 in Leadership Nashville, and the Nashville Chamber of Commerce Impact Award. She's also been recognized by the Nashville Business Journal as a woman of influence. She is a super busy woman, wife, mother, and recently started her own firm and became the managing principal at Worthington Advisory. And so we're going to dive into her entrepreneurship story, but let's give a warm Philanise Nash experience. Welcome to Jackie Akbari. Woo! Jackie, how are you today? I am fabulous, especially now that I'm here with you. I always have a good time. When Philanise is in the room, we know we're going to get smarter and have some fun in the meantime. Thank you for uh, inviting me to join the Philanise Nash experience. Thank you. I'm glad you accepted the invitation. I really feel like your entrepreneurship story is one that will resonate with everyone. So let's jump into it. Um, First thing, I typically ask most of my people who have been on the show, about COVID. We're still dealing with COVID, the pandemic. We're actually seeing an uptick in cases. And so just kind of briefly tell us how the last year and a half has been for you, your family, and your business. So uh, thank you for asking about COVID because we're absolutely still in the middle of it. I have a sister-in-law in Memphis that's currently hospitalized. So I'm thinking about her while we are uh, on this um, podcast today. I will say that it was a very busy year for Worthington Advisory, which means a busy year for not only my team and I, but for the clients that we serve. Uh, One of the key practice areas that we have focuses on strategic planning. Well, all of those strategic plans that we developed at the uh, end of 2019, uh, guess what? Uh, Had to be revisited, revised. We've heard all the terms pause and pivot, uh, you know, extenuating circumstances, unprecedented season. So we ended up having to take out those uh, strategic plans, many times either tear it up and start from the beginning or just create a new plan with a delay on the expected outcomes. So it was a very, very busy year and ultimately a good year, a good year in terms of measurable outcomes and a good year in terms of creating crisis management along with strategic planning. So 
So it was a super busy year also because we gained a number of new clients. And we also uh, launched some practice areas that we may be able to talk about in response to the crisis, uh, the pandemic crisis because of the health disparities associated with it. And also the workforce training crisis, because this is something new, different, unexpected. And, uh, you know, we had to train people how to respond, how to work from home, uh, how to deliver and manage and supervise and lead in a remote workplace. Also, uh, some of the new clients I have, uh, I have a client, uh, Rosemar, which is a chemical manufacturer that manufactures uh, hand sanitizer and disinfectant cleaners. Uh, you can imagine how busy uh, they have been and they are. Yeah. So that's kind of what we do and what we saw happen in, during the COVID year. Well, that's a blessing because there are a lot of businesses, especially in hospitality and other industries that have shut down, have not made it. So I am very happy to hear that Worthington Advisory has had growth during this time. So, but let's talk about how you got to Worthington Advisory, how you opened Worthington Advisory. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the workforce development industry, and then how and why and when you felt like it was the appropriate time to go ahead and take that leap into entrepreneurship. Well, Phil and Nice, that's a wonderful question. And I love when I get a chance to talk about my journey to entrepreneurship. And if I'm truly honest and I do a reflection on this journey, it probably started sometime around the time I was born because my dad was an entrepreneur at a time in Memphis at a time that it wasn't easy for an African-American man in the segregated South to be a business uh, owner. And he owned a real estate development firm, uh, built uh, properties that sometimes were in not the greatest neighborhoods, but provided home ownership to people that were in government housing. And uh, other times it was commercial work that uh, based his company on. So I learned it at the dinner table. I learned it uh, at lunch, I learned entrepreneurship uh, kind of the hard way because there were so many obstacles, barriers, and roadblocks for African Americans. And still, in all honesty, in some cases, it's not very easy, but I learned a lot um, on watching his journey on my growing up and in my childhood. So that's why uh, the firm is Worthington Advisory, because Worthington is the name of the street that I grew up on in Memphis. Nice, nice. I love hearing backgrounds on the names, the nomenclature for businesses. So I love that story because if you can see it, you can be it. And we'll talk a little bit about your family and how, you know, one of your sons is jumping into entrepreneurship. So I'm sure you've been an influence on him, but speak a little bit about how you got into this particular industry, how you became so strong and involved in the workforce development industry. Sure. Well, my husband and I moved to Nashville from Memphis, and uh, I have always been in sales at some level. Uh, And so I started working for uh, Metro government and selling the city. Uh, And I worked on some pretty big economic development projects, uh, workforce economic development. 
in working with some of the companies that you mentioned, including in those and others like UBS and Pillsbury and uh, the Nissan expansion, uh, the electric plant. Uh, many times um, I would travel uh, to the companies as they were considering their move and relocation here. Uh, and so I retired from that and started uh, Worthington Advisory because I found that there were many things that I might be able to do and customize services for that uh, in the government space um, that might not uh, be an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I was excited to uh, be able to launch my firm utilizing the services and the expertise. And also a lot of times it's strategic relationship management that's really going to make the difference. And uh, I've been in this area for quite a long time. But a lot of my clients sometimes are not just looking at Nashville, but uh, some uh, UK-based clients are just looking at the U.S. in general. So that's kind of how I got into workforce economic development and uh, really love it, really love working with site selectors and attorneys and prospective firms. Uh, I worked with Alliance Bernstein when they were originally looking at Nashville before they made the uh, decision to move here. So that's what I did before launching the firm. And uh, it's been an organic journey to see where we are now. So how long has your firm been in existence? It's been about four or five years. Yes, that's correct. And uh, we've grown so much. You know, at the very beginning, it was uh, just me and a few uh, independent consultants. And now Austin Akbari is a vice president. He's actually launching a uh, practice area that uh, we'll be announcing shortly. And we love those innovations that come from young entrepreneurs that have great ideas. And um, he's a very smart young man. And I'm excited to, to work with him, beside him and for him and support him as he's leading the practice area that he's done all the work from. He's also currently getting his MBA from Johns Hopkins University. So he's a busy uh, young man and we're excited to have him lead that area as well. So if anyone didn't pick up on it, when she said Austin Akbari, that would be your son, Austin, right? My son, absolutely. <laughs> family business. It's a family business. I grew up in family business, yes. absolutely. So it's come full circle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I worked for my dad, hardest boss I ever had. And so it gave me uh, some great lessons learned on what to do and what not to do in family business. So uh, I'm excited to work with Austin as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I've met your family and Austin is an awesome young man and he's just bright. And I can tell that he brings a lot to the table when it comes to the family business. So let's dial it back just a little bit. Because one of the things that I love to cover on this show is the thought process or just the ups and downs of someone's decision to begin entrepreneurship. So can you tell us a little bit about how you prepared and how you came to, okay, this is the day that I'm going to take the leap. Was this a consultation with the whole family since it is a family business Tell us how that whole thing kind of unpacked it and how you got to the taking the leap day. Well, um, you know, I've always been inspired by the entrepreneurial journey for the reasons I referenced earlier that my dad was an entrepreneur. And it just really made sense. You know, we've got young entrepreneurs like Austin that come pretty much straight out of school. But I did have uh, subject matter 
expertise around workforce economic development. Uh, And I did have the strategic relationships that made this um, an easy transition. Or I won't say easy because being an entrepreneur is never easy. That's right. But would make it an organic transition. I'll put it like that. But, you know, we always look at the seasons of life that make sense for us. Uh, and for er- every individual, it's it's a different season. Uh, I had time and experience. I had corporate experience before working in government. I'd been with Xerox in the past and USA Today newspaper. So I had some experience working in private sector and uh, it was just a great time for us to uh, make the leap, and and I was glad to do it. And I always like to bring uh, inspiration to women that may have been uh, what I call a W two season versus a ten ninety nine season, where you have uh, worked on a job and enjoyed the benefits of a a job, a boss, and a paycheck. But you've always maybe had uh, a desire or some inspiration of being an entrepreneur and being uh, providing vision and um, jobs and uh, leadership for an organization that you spearhead. And that's uh, where I am. And that's where I was when I made that decision to lead the firm. And I'm so glad that I did. What would you say to some of those women? Because I know you are highly involved in the community. You sit on a number of boards, some of them female business and leadership based, you know, focused. And I'm sure you're asked this question all the time from women who are either trying to become stronger business leaders or becoming business owners. What would be the one thing that you would say to those women who are looking to take on that next season? What would be one of those nuggets of wisdom that you would like to pass along to them? So one word is strategy, uh, because, you know, it's not just one thing that's going to make it come together. But if you have a collaborative, comprehensive strategy, uh, you can call it plan your work and work your plan. Uh, You have to do the research and make sure that the spreadsheet numbers work. Because that's really one difference in owning a business is that, you know, you don't leave that to someone else. It's your responsibility to have the strategy, the spreadsheet strategy, the workforce strategy, the business outcome strategy. So you've got to make sure that you've done your research to do that. And I think that we as women do a fabulous job of multitasking and managing strategy. So to do that in business really is second nature to us. And that strategy also includes home and work balance, which we've learned also more about during COVID. Because, uh, you know, when you're working from home, there's all the things associated with home. Our families, our, uh, you know, home life, uh, you know, the kitchen's right there. So maybe I'll stop and do dinner. We've learned how to multitask for years as we grow up. So I just always say, too, as business owners, we have to make sure that the numbers crunch. You know, if it doesn't make money uh, in terms of business, it doesn't make sense. So you have to make sure that the numbers are crunching so that it is a viable business that is scalable and sustainable from a business practice standpoint. 
Right. Now you kind of tread on my next topic, which was managing and balancing work life and family life. And for you, what did that look like? You know, because a lot of women still have families at home. Some women have young children at home that they still need to take care of. So what was that like for you? And how can women, I know we multitask well, but how can we overcome some of those issues with managing starting a business and family life? Well, I think securing your resources ahead of time and just planning accordingly. And I find that women, again, know how to do that very well. Uh, Some of your previous guests like Alicia Schultz James and others are, have a proven successful track record in doing um, this, you know, on an ongoing basis. Uh, Maya Bug is another woman who's a Harvard-educated educator here in town who runs a business. Uh, Pam Carter is someone that I admire and has uh, balanced work and family for years. I'm always inspired by young women that are coming uh, up now, like Karen Williams, who owns Mintech uh, Recruiting Agency, and LaDonna Boyd. So we are managing work, home, life, and family all the time. In my case, I have two adult sons. My older son is Dr. Alexander Akbari, a pediatric dentist uh, here in the Middle Tennessee area. And you mentioned Austin, who uh, works uh, with Worthington Advisory. He's also part of work and family because he and his wife are expecting their first baby uh, in about two weeks. So we're excited about that. With all of that being said, you know, some of the women that I named are of many, like you, Philanise, I'm so proud of all that you have accomplished personally and collaboration and in partnership with Dr. Turner Nash <laughs> and uh, your daughter, your son have just done just a fabulous job. And we're really proud and looking forward to your son's uh, first year at Vanderbilt. Yes. You asked me about, you know, how I got started. I will say that Vanderbilt was a great client in encouraging me and partner as I started this journey. And um, they have been a great partner for many in the community uh, along the journey of small business partnership. So as a client, when you look at large entities like Vanderbilt in support of what we're doing, it's always an inspiration to go, go out there and Get it done. Get it done. Well, thank you. And I appreciate those kind words. It's, it is difficult. It is very difficult because we started businesses when our children were very small. In fact, we were in the years of growing a family. And so there were times when I work and then there were times when I was at home, but it can be done. Like you said, it does need some planning and it definitely needs the involvement of your life partner because you can't grow and start a business by yourself. And when you have family, it definitely does involve your family's support in that. So to your point, it definitely does take strategy and planning. From a personal perspective, so both of your sons are diving into entrepreneurship or one's already been in and one's diving in. So is it that they've seen you doing this and now they are encouraged to do it? I'm going to let you pop your collar here for a second. Um, (laughs) But how did your sons get involved in entrepreneurship? And did they come to you and say, hey, mom, I want to start this business. Where do I start? 
Well, yes, it's certainly in their DNA, and it's certainly a part of the instructional program that we started with them as children. You know, always have an opportunity to understand your skill, develop your craft, and be in a position to market it at the appropriate time. I will say that they both have uh, had experiences uh, in the workplace where they're not entrepreneurs, where they have the W-2 experience prior to going out there. And we absolutely encourage that. Both of my sons were um, working, had jobs, you know, earlier in their lives. One son was a student athlete, so he didn't have the part-time job experience as my older son worked at Best Buy for a a couple of years in high school. And uh, many times people would, you know, oh, your son has a job. We absolutely uh, encourage working. The power of work is strong. There's something that you can't learn any other place than uh, in the workplace. Uh, and and uh, maybe even before entrepreneurship or working in a family business, it's a valuable experience to uh, work in a place like that. Totally agree. I totally agree because our kids are working their W-2s. <laughs> and I will have to say that there are some life experiences, especially dealing with customers and those types of things, dealing with people outside of your home. You can't get that staying in the home. So I totally agree to your point. So we're getting close to the end of our session, but I did want to speak a little bit about the current state of workforce development. We spoke prior to the show and things are just rapidly changing because the pandemic is still around and people are, like you said, pivoting. But can you just give us a brief overview of anything that you want to share about the current state of workforce development and things that people who are entrepreneurs need to kind of keep an eye out for? Well, uh, workforce development is absolutely in the pause and pivot stage. As you know, there are some workforce policies that are bringing people back in to the office and others that have extended the work from home policy. Two other things that I like to share is the opportunity for training and workforce training while the pause and pivot is still in progress. Um, I have uh, partnered with some of our universities and our community colleges not only here in our community, but actually nationally to develop workforce training programs. Uh, some of them are employer sponsored. As a matter of fact, we launched a workforce training program over COVID that taught sanitizing and disinfecting that produced a certificate from the community college. This is a great time to develop your skills. And if people are interested in getting workforce training that will include a certificate, we'd love to hear from them because, as I mentioned, in some cases, employers and prospective employers will even pay for you to get this certification training so you'll be a better candidate. The second thing is diversity and inclusion uh, became front and center during the pandemic for a number of reasons. The murder of George Floyd made corporate entities and employers more aware than they had possibly been or wanted to talk about previous. So we have seen an increase in the diversity and inclusion conversation. Our firm runs diversity councils 
for several entities, organizations, large and small. We help them get started and we run them from beginning to end. And they're generally a nine-month program, like a school year, where we get um, information internally and externally to share. So if you don't have a diversity program within your employer organization, you may want to consider having one because the cultural competency that will be required as we move forward will be expected on so many levels. The last thing that I could share about workforce development is that it is absolutely changing. The implementation of technology and apps and other innovations that impact the way we do business, i.e. this podcast. Who knew that so much information could be available by listening to a podcast? As a matter of fact, our firm has been selected to help deliver some pretty innovative career coaching modules through technology, and we're excited to share that. So if people are looking at changing jobs or upgrading their career skills, please be in touch with us because we do have some programs available in resume writing, interviewing skills. We're doing some mock interviewing. Uh, And this is primarily in the technology space, but there's some other opportunities to engage in logistics and manufacturing, some finance and banking career opportunities where we have been engaged to help candidates get ready. I love that. I love that because that is part of that pivoting piece as well. So how can our listeners and viewers get in touch with you if they're interested in what you just spoke about, or if they're interested in just kind of following you and your company and the developments of your organization, how can they follow you? Any social media or websites or anything that you can provide, I'm sure they would appreciate. Absolutely. Our website is www.worthingtonadvisory.com. And we have contact us and listed information there. We're also uh, pretty visible on LinkedIn. You can look me up uh, on LinkedIn, Jackie with a Y, Akbari. And uh, we also have a Worthington Advisory LinkedIn page. So we're pretty accessible. I'm also speaking for the Black Chamber of Commerce uh, on a series regarding economic development. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Carolyn Waller and the Black Chamber doing great things in the community, bringing people and opportunities together. So uh, we're fairly visible and easy to find. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And Jackie, thank you for agreeing to come on the show. I just, you know, in our last moments, I want to, again, thank Jackie for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. And I want to thank all of you, our listeners and viewers, for sharing your time with us on the Philomese Nash Experience podcast. And I just want to encourage everyone during this time of change and pivoting to take time to invest in yourself. Take courses, take classes, get certifications that may help you because you may find yourself in a different industry than where you began prior to the pandemic. So make sure to reach out to Jackie at her firm and get those courses under your belt. And I want everyone to check out our show notes, all of my guests' uh, contact information and links and resources mentioned in the episode will be there. And also on my website, philanesenashexperience.com. 
You can find all of my episodes, seasons one and two of the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Amazon and iHeartRadio. Most popularly, we're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Or you can find all of the episodes on FelonisNashExperience.com. Make sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel of the same name. And you can follow me on social media at Nash on IG, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Again, Jackie Akbari, thank you again for coming on with us. Thank you. And I just want to encourage everyone, stay safe. The pandemic is not over. Continue to wash your hands, socially distance, wear your mask, and if you can get vaccinated, do so, so we can start having some sense of normalcy. So everyone stay well, stay safe. We'll see you next time. Peace.